Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, that's the law on Sinai, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you care for him. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he, God, left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it's fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer or founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. We'll stop there. Um, so this is a passage which talks about uh, uh, God becoming flesh, uh, you know, a Jesus coming as a man. Um, and we're going to look at it in a few parts together. Um, but it starts off in chapter 2, verse 1, with a warning. It says, uh, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, um, lest we, um, what does it say, unless we drift away from it. Just hoping the slides will come up. Okay, that's not the one I had in mind, but don't worry. The warning is, let's pay close attention or else we'll drift away from it. It's surprising, isn't it, that the the message about Jesus coming as a man comes with a warning. And it's not a warning just for unbelievers, people who don't yet know him. Notice he says, therefore, we. He's talking to Christians and he himself is someone who is trusted in the Lord. So he says, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It's a warning from Christians. So there is a very real possibility of Christians drifting away from this great salvation. Not necessarily losing their salvation altogether. I don't think this is what it's warning about. Uh, But being far from it, and actually forgetting it. Living life as if it wasn't that great as salvation. And falling into unbelief. And we're going to look at verses 2 to 4 where the writer suggests how serious that would be. And he does it by comparing um, to the law. Um, So he starts off by saying in verse um, uh, verse 2, Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. He's talking about the law. And the law was given by the angels. It was uh, on Sinai that the law was delivered from God to to God's people by angels. Um, It's a bit like uh, if you were a bit slow or disorganized. I don't know if anyone here has done their Christmas shopping or left it too late. Um, You might click 
uh, on Amazon and say, I'm going to get someone else to deliver my gift to this person. Um, so God, in a crude way, uh, gets the angels to be the delivery guys, the messengers of the law. But the great salvation is not like that. It's the equivalent of me travelling 200 miles to, to Midwales, where my parents live, just to knock on their door and to hand over the gift myself. Because it says uh, that the Lord announced it uh, in verse 3. It was declared at first by the Lord. So Jesus is the Lord <laughs> who has come to announce his great salvation. And, and the Hebrews writer is saying, if it was uh, binding and serious, the announcement of the law, even though they were messengers who brought it from God, how much more serious will it be when the Lord himself announces his great salvation? So he's saying, it, it, because the Lord has come and announced it, uh, we must pay much attention to it. And we must not think that um, by disregarding it or ignoring it or neglecting it, that, there will be, that things will go well for us. They won't. Um, and the law proves that. Um, so um, this great salvation is what we're going to be looking at. Um, and first of all, it says that this great salvation is greater than the law because, because the Lord himself delivered it. Uh, but now uh, we're going to look at uh, what is this great salvation? And we're going to look at that in two parts. Um, what is this great salvation? This great salvation is about Jesus, the perfect man, who fulfills God's purpose for mankind. Um, so if you want to look down with me at verse 5. It was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? So this is a passage in the Old Testament in the Psalms, and it's uh, referring, it's talking about all mankind, and it's saying that, um, that they were made lower than the angels, and you gave them this glory and honour, and you didn't seem to give even to the angels. Um, you made man to rule over all things, putting everything in subjection to him. And yet we know, don't we, that because of the fall, mankind didn't fulfil that calling. We didn't do what we were meant to do. We rejected God, we sinned, and therefore we don't see everything in subjection to man, do we? And yet, Jesus, with a perfect man, he did. He came and he fulfilled God's purpose for mankind. Um, so then it talks about him, doesn't it? Now in putting everything in subjection to him, verse 8, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So Jesus has been made man so that he would fulfill God's purpose for mankind um, that we were created for, but that we failed to do. That's the first thing that this great salvation is about. It's about Jesus, the perfect man who fulfills God's purpose for mankind. But as we carry on reading, if you look uh, to the second half of verse 9, and we'll read uh, verse 9 uh, and verse 10, we'll see the second thing that he came to do. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death, 
so that, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that he, God, for whom and by all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Well, you heard it another, a number of times there. Suffering of death. Uh, it might taste death for everyone. Uh, make the founder of the, their salvation perfect through suffering. So um, this great, great salvation is about Jesus, the perfect man, who fulfills God's, sorry, who made the final sacrifice for sin in his body. So Jesus became man in order that he might make the final sacrifice for sin in his body. The great salvation involves Jesus' suffering and death. And we'll look at this a bit more tomorrow in the, uh, in the second half of the chapter. But here in these verses, we have a strange sentence. It says that God made Jesus perfect. Okay? Does that sit, sit comfort, comfortably with you? Jesus, God made Jesus perfect. Huh? I thought Jesus was perfect. How can Jesus, God make Jesus perfect? What, what's going on there? Um, it's there, isn't it? Um, he might make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Was Jesus not perfect? Was he not morally good? Did he have any moral imperfection in him? No. So what's it, what's it talking about here? He's perfect for the job. Readied for the job of being high priest. And we see that because we get down in verse 17. It says, um, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So he is morally perfect. He's not morally imperfect, but he needed to be made ready or readied for the job of being high priest. And the way in which he did that was he took on flesh so that he could make the final sacrifice for sin. So so what was this great salvation about? It's about Jesus, the perfect man, who who fulfills God's purpose for mankind and who made the final sacrifice for sin in his body. And this is the salvation, this great salvation, that we're called as Christians not to drift from. How do you drift you simply do nothing. You know the person who goes out uh, you know, on their Lido or whatever, on their inflatable, just off, off the beach. And they lie back and it's the, the sun's beating down. And so they drift off. Maybe because it's so warm in here, you're starting to drift off as well. Um, th- where do they end up? They wake up and they find themselves far from where they were because, and far from where they thought they were because they do nothing. In order to drift, they've, all they had to do was do nothing. And here, the Hebrews writer is saying, don't do that with this great salvation. Don't, don't assume that you're, you're always going to think about it and want it. And understand it. And live it. Don't be complacent, simply. What are we to do? We are to pay careful attention to what we have heard. Again, 
today, tomorrow, the day after that. We don't need a Christmas day in order to have this on the agenda. It's there every single day of the Christian's life. And what would it look like to drift from this, uh, away from this great salvation? Well, I was thinking about this, and I think um, it would be when I start to think of my own performance as whether or not I'm doing well in the Christian life. Because if I drifted from God's great salvation, that is his salvation that he gives to us in Jesus, it then all starts to be about me and what and how I'm doing and whether or not I'm doing enough. So that's the drift, isn't it? And that's the pull of our hearts. And, and the Hebrews writer is saying, don't drift from this great salvation. Give it your most careful attention. So don't think, oh, I've, I've heard this before. I'll hear it again. I'm just going to sort of let it wash over me. Take time. Give it your most careful attention. As you would do something that is really important. And you think, I can't just ignore this. I can't just brush this aside. Do that again this Christmas. Give this great salvation. Give Jesus, the perfect man, your most careful attention so that you do not drift from him. Um, uh, We'll do that again tomorrow. We'll have the opportunity again tomorrow to do that. And we'll do that um, in prayer um, after this as well. And this is the warning um, that the the Hebrew writer is giving to Jewish converts. Um, They had heard of God's salvation and believed it. But they were under pressure because people were saying, uh, the Jews were saying, Jesus is just another messenger. He's just another angel. And it would certainly make things easier for them if they, if they did start to just go away and just do what they said. Because they'd avoid persecution. Uh, but notice how, how the writer talks about Jesus. He says um, in verse 5 of chapter 1, he questions them and he says, um, does God say this about any uh, of the angels? And then he uses some scriptures to show that he doesn't. He doesn't say this of anyone, of the angels. He says this about his son. Um, so let's read that together. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they shall be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they, angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those 
who are to inherit salvation. So the angels have a purpose. Ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are to inherit salvation. Mankind. To give the message across. Just like the delivery people. But Jesus is is far greater than that. The name he has been given is is superior to theirs. uh, Because of what he has done. Um, So don't drift. Get back to him. (laughs) If there's other things that have got in the way of you thinking on him. Because there's loads of other things we could be concentrating on. Go back to him. and, and, And think through what he has done. And what it means for you. What he has done to make you right with God. By giving his life. By rising from the dead. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your son Jesus um, is uh, the imprint of your nature. The exact imprint of your nature. And yet he took on flesh as well. He took on humanity. So that he might be the fulfilment of the purpose of mankind. Forever. So that he may bring many sons to glory. That he may offer in his body a sacrifice for sin. We thank you so much um, that you would do that for us. And we pray that you'd help us to focus and to fix our eyes on you. And on your great salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.